Hi, I'm Natasha Legero, and you're listening to Radio 8-Ball with Andras Jones. Welcome to Radio 8-Ball, give us a shake. We're between networks and we're tempting fate. With Marvin Etzioni putting questions to the songs Which we will randomly select here With the help of our friend Synchronicity And now it's time for Radio 8 Ball Give us a shake Radio 8 Ball Give us a shake It's the Radio 8 Ball and welcome back to Radio 8 Ball, the show where we answer questions by picking songs at random and interpreting those randomly chosen songs as the answers to the questions. I am your host, Andras Jones, and providing the oracle fodder for our musical divinations today, we have the fabulous Marvin Etzioni. Hello, hello. And Marvin has invited one of his, another one of his illustrious friends and collaborators to join us on the show. She's on the line from the historic musical city of New Orleans, and she is Helen Rose. Welcome to Radio 8 Ball, Helen. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. And you're going to be playing a show here in L.A., uh, about two or three days after this episode comes out. Word, tell us a bit about the show. Yeah, so I'll be headlining The Mint um, in Los Angeles for the for the first time I'm headlining there. It's a great historic venue. I have a killer band that I'm really excited to reunite with. Um, my friend J.P. Henry and uh, Jonah Tolton and my friend uh, Joaquin Sharon will be playing. Um, with me and um, yeah it's going to be a rocking night we're going to play some new music um, some new songs that have never before been performed live off of the EP that's coming out on Friday and uh, and off of the forthcoming album and actually Jonah is going to be joining us for a musical divination in a few so that's pretty cool uh, oh that's great yeah. And now how do you and Marvin know each other so, yeah. Oh, man, what a story. So it's kind of one of those very serendipitous cosmic um, happenings where Marvin knows uh, a dear family friend, Anna Sarich, and um, I was actually at Anna's wedding. This was the first time we met. I was at Anna's wedding in about 2011. I was a senior in college, and I sat next to Marvin. <laughs> at the wedding and we had this great conversation and you know he made an impression on me and then skip forward a few years um my dad and anna introduced marvin to jonah and so jonah and marvin ended up working really inti intimately on uh, jonah's record clover lane and then uh my dad played a few songs for marvin and um they decided to make a record uh and I, I loved his work and um, while we're in pre-production I was home from New York for a little while kind of in transition between jobs and you know knowing that I wanted to to pursue um, my creative spirit um, and uh, yeah basically dad brought me in to see if, if Marvin liked my voice to sing backups on his album and then Marvin <laughs> 
Marvin said, hey, girl, no, you're not going to be singing backups. You're going to make your own record. So that was really a life-changing experience. And from then on, you know, we've been, uh, we've been fast friends and collaborators. Yeah, it, it was just a, a moment where she's singing backup. And I, I said, no, 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 you're, you're not a backup singer. You're a lead singer. You're up. You're up. You're not. You're not twenty feet from stardom. You're right in the center of it. <laughs> and uh, so two days later, we just we went in the studio and just had a great time and did our first session together. And actually, one of the songs that you can correct me if I'm wrong, Helen, but I, I, one of the songs that we cut that day was a rearrangement of a Steve Earle song called "The Mountain," and we rearranged it as a piano ballad rather than kind of a hillbilly kind of tune and it became piano and vocal and so that that song is actually on her debut album she it was really important for helen you know to have that song as kind of a reminder this is the session where it's all started from between us so um it, it's been great and I, I i keep reminding helen you know over the last few years here we are now we're we're gonna you know, work on the releasing it, you know, on, on vinyl. And, and she had a, um, a pledge campaign that went 100% plus uh, for the album, which is incredible. And, uh, you know, part, part of the show, Helen, was I wanted to make sure that Mr. Jones knew that, you know, we could promote your show and let people know about it. And um, so I just kind of feel Helen and I are just getting started every time there's like another idea, another did you hear this song or what about this? And there's always something else going on. And, and I'm, I'm just excited for the things, not only that we have done for people to hear for the first time, but um, for the things that we haven't even started yet. Sounds like things are constantly oh, yeah. blossoming with Helen Rose. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah got I, mean, I got it. I got it. I just have to say that working with Marvin... I will forever hold the feeling of recording that song, The Mountain, where he was at the piano and he just was playing some, some chords. And, and I just started singing The Mountain. And we've tried recording it. We've tried a couple takes with the really, like, kind of hillbilly thing. And, um, and it just brought out the song. All of a sudden, I, I felt like I knew the song and I found this... The, you know, shining golden inner truth of, of what the words meant. And, you know, it's an environmental song. It's about just, you grew up in a coal mining town on a mountain, and you'll just have to listen to hear the story. But um, it, it was this life-changing moment of going like, oh, wow, now that's it. Now that's a song, and that's how you find the song. Yeah, and, and that's I, really I, something that Marvin's taught me how to do. Um, and that I will hold forever in my, my artistic uh, journey here. That is the lesson of a, pro a great producer, is to teach you that when it's, when it's right, let help you lock in sort of, oh, that's when I sound good. You know, that's when, it's, when it clicks. So I'm not surprised. I'm not yeah. surprised at all. You know, that's part of Marvin's magic, is, is helping the performer beautify their imperfections. I, I appreciate... Um, I appreciate the kind words, Helen. I was going to say that, you know, for me, it was also such a great learning experience working with you. I remember during, if I remember right, uh, one of the songs, A Dangerous Tender Man, and we had written the song in the, the major key. 
and so we're going through the song. We've got James Gatson. We've got Dylan Cooper on bass, and Jonah's there, and Helen's singing. I'm playing a, a rhythm electric mandocello, and we're going through it. And then while everyone's learning the song in the major key, Helen, just out of the blue, just says, I don't know. I think it should be in the minor. I'm like, what? 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 You mean right now we're going to change the entire arrangement? And so all of a sudden, we, I said, all right, just push record. And for the first time, I played the song in the minor, changing all the chords to minor. Everybody followed us. And that's Helen's first take, and it's our first time playing the song that way. And it's so magical. <laughs> it's so, You know, it's like one of my favorite moments, like, that I've ever had in the studio because for the most part if you say this song's in G you could go on the next day it's still going to be in G or maybe you'll move it up or down but it's very very rare that I've never experienced not, you're not just changing the, the key you're changing the entire emotional context of the song and it was such an incredible moment and she just allowed the band to just like grow and kind of fly with her as we were experiencing this for the first time it was really tremendous it was really great that's a perfect <laughs> example of uh, you know of synchronicity and action and while since you have a history the two of you of creating magical synchronicities in music i can only imagine what we're about to uncork with your musical divination <laughs> helen so what is your question for the pop oracle no, no, no. This is a question for the Pop Oracle. This is your question for the universe. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> Can I say the question I was going to ask Marvin? Sure, sure. Go on. If, if you were to, to play Woodstock, to be back back in the day, you know, in that incredible, talk about, you know, synchronistic powers, but um, what song would you play? And it has to be a duet, so who... Who would you play it with out of the artists that played at Woodstock? Well, let's just let Marvin answer that question first. Oh, okay. So we're not going to spin the wheel on this one? I think that's an odd... That would be an... I mean, unless okay. you want to engage the pop oracle, I feel like this was meant for you, so oh, okay. she thought about this. Um, wow. I've never really uh, thought about that. Uh, gee, you know, maybe... Uh, uh, maybe a, a duet with uh, Jimi Hendrix and I could play the Star Spangled Banner I could play electric mandolin and then he could play electric guitar and then I would burn the electric mandolin before he burns his guitar so I beat him to the punch just because I can't help but play along if it was me we were just today. We just had yeah. Mark Platt in here. We were talking about yeah. we can work it out. That's a great duet. Yeah. No one does a Beatles song at Woodstock. Yeah. I would love to do. Uh, maybe maybe Richie Havens. Does he do? Here comes the sun. He does. Here comes the sun. Okay. Right. So someone. Oh, and probably Joe Cocker does with little help from my friends. So there were Beatles songs performed. Oh, yeah. Um, but I would do because I know Joni Mitchell missed Woodstock because she was doing the Dick Cavett show. I and see. I, I don't yeah. know. I don't know if that was the reason. I heard it was like the boy boys are not going to let. 
Well, that's why I would be like, hey, blow off Dick Cavett. Let's do a kick-ass version of We Can Work It Out. Oh, yeah, there you go. With Joni Mitchell <laughs> at Woodstock. That's pretty good. <laughs> okay, so that's, God, that's too much fun. Let's play Let's play this game some more. No, uh, now now I'm going to put you on the spot, Helen. This is, you, this, okay. you know, you're in New Orleans, the city of soothsayers and mystic gypsies. And so you must be familiar with the concept of approaching an oracle with a question. It doesn't have to be something that you've thought about a long time. It's just what's, what's up for you today, Helen? What is the question that you'd like to ask the pop oracle? Well, I just want to give you a picture of where I am right now in New Orleans. I'm, I'm in Lafayette Square, and it's this little square. It's about a block away from the place where I make money to pay my rent. Um, and uh, the first place I ever saw Taj Mahal play, and it was a free concert. I had just moved to New Orleans, and I was kind of going like, what did I do? I'm in the South, you know, everything's so different. People are happy. <laughs> um, I'm seeing Taj Mahal for free in the park while the sun is setting with these incredible pink, violet hues, you know, that... It's really one of the most incredible things about um, New Orleans is when the sun sets. But, um, okay, so I'm walking around in circles around the statue. And I think what comes to mind is our current state of affairs. And so I'm going to ask the oracle, since there is this magic in the world and there is so much beauty and so many good people on earth. How do we overcome the energies and the human beings who have not found that beauty and appreciation for being alive? That's a great question. And all of the gifts that the universe has to provide. Wonderful. You have some very thoughtful friends Marvin, they ask great questions. And I, I am a very, very lucky man. So now, to engage the Pop Oracle, I am now going to spin the wheel of eight. Na, 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 na. We love eight. And I'm pretty sure that's a song that's come up before. Yes, so we're going to do it we're going to go to the cards. And on your behalf, Marvin, could you just play me a little like a... Like just a little Chuck Berry kind of thing? Pick a card, any card. Pick a card, any card. Oh, pick a card, any card. Oh, pick a card, any card. Adam picked that card. And what is the card? Song number, you holding it up as song number nine, but it's actually song number six because there's only eight cards in the deck. <laughs> song number six. Number nine. Number six, which is? Which six. is. Oh, this is great. The answer is song number six, which is a song called Can't Cry Hard Enough. <laughs> You're not a picket, Helen. This is uh, 
Maybe just, all right, here we go. This is a song that uh, I wrote with my friend David Williams. This is called Can't Cry Hard Enough. And um, this one goes out to the late, great Paul Buckmaster, who wrote the string quartet arrangement for this song. I'm gonna live my life Like every day's the last Without a simple goodbye It all goes by so fast And now that you're gone I can't cry hard enough No, I can't cry hard enough For you to hear me now I'm gonna open my eyes And see for the first time I've let go of you like A child letting go of his kite And there it goes Up in the sky there it goes Beyond the clouds For no reason why I can't cry hard enough No, I can't cry hard enough For you to hear me now I'm gonna look back in vain To see you standing there When all that remains Is just an empty chair And now that you're gone I can't cry hard enough No, I can't cry hard enough For you to hear me now And there it goes Up in the sky There it goes Beyond the clouds For no reason why I can't cry hard enough 
No, I can't cry hard enough for you to hear me now. And that was Can't Cry Hard Enough from Marvin Etzioni. The answer to Helen Rose's question, how can the light, how can the people who are holding that light have that light shine and affect the people who may not have, uh, who are maybe leaning into the darkness a little bit more? If I, if I may paraphrase. So uh, I have several ideas about this, but before we get into them, why don't we have Marvin tell us a little bit about the background of that song? Um, the, 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 the background of the song was I was doing a, a lot of co-writing with uh, David Williams and the Williams Brothers and hanging out with Victoria Williams. And, uh, and we had this uh, group for a moment called The Orphan Train, and we did a few shows and so um, we were, David and I were just constantly writing, and then I was just like too tired to dr- just drive home. And I said, you know, would you mind if I just like crashed on the couch here? And he said, sure. And then the next morning he said, you know, I've, I've got an idea for something. And, um, and he played me the opening lines and the chords on piano, and I said, hold on. And I grabbed my notebook, and I just wrote the entire lyric. You know, the whole thing just came pouring out, and I said, "Just keep playing that music." And I sang it, and then he, we, 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 David and I were just so in sync, like it was really a gift from above. It was like it was just writing it for us, and um, and so the song appeared, and I, I didn't realize at the time really how special it it was and uh, what it was going to mean for people. Uh, it was just something that came through me. I mean, I really felt like I was a conduit uh, to to just sh- show up, and uh, like the pen was just moving on its own, <laughs> you know, uh, on that one. So, you know, I had lost um, my uh, grandmother. I think David w- was had lost someone, and it was just something that we initially really connected to in this moment in time, without ever talking about it. it, it, it you know, kind of this. It was an otherworldly experience right, right. Ha- having that. It was not. Let's go in and write about this today, and it it, it wasn't. You know, any of that. Uh, uh, it was. It was really some other worldly experience. Going through that, and the song has stayed. And and, and um, you know, I, I remember after nine uh, eleven, and I think this might connect to to Helen's question, and, and and she can decide if it does or not. But after nine eleven, there was a fan of the song that created a website. He didn't create a website. He just put the song uh, on his own personal website. And just put images of what was happening in New York at nine, at, nine, at the nine eleven tragedy, and so many people had come to hear the song on his website. It crashed his personal website, and so he created uh, can'tcryhardenough dot com. And and then I had just found out that the song is now officially in the Library of Congress. Uh, something to do with the 9-11 archives. Uh, the song is kind of officially a part of that, you know, time period. And it seemed very cathartic for a lot of people. 
And in, in a way, I think our culture is we're, we're I, I really believe that our culture is still mourning the loss of what happened in the last election. I don't really feel like we've recovered yet and something is gone and it's it's we wake up hoping this will not be as it is and mm. uh and i think the way to make the difference is to go through the process of of loss uh it's as if even even though the last president is still alive his legacy is is dying in front of us and we are i think that the country is mourning and in stages of loss, there's grief and, and, and anger. It goes through many, many cycles, and it can take a long time, and I still think we're going through that. And at some point, we'll, we'll come out of this talking to each other and listening to each other, and listen, as you talked about earlier, listening to our differences. And what, what happened with Oprah the other night talking to young women and encouraging them and telling mm. them a story to say this world is changing and there's going to be demonstrations that happen that are going to be peaceful and and have a purpose to them and to me you know i bring up the political as- aspect of 911 the country was mourning but I, I i feel in our own way we haven't given ourselves the opportunity to fully mourn what has happened where I think we went straight to the anger <laughs> and um, maybe that song reflects for a moment that it's okay to grieve when you've lost something. It does not mean that you, you we have the opportunity to regain it, but it's going to be in a different way and something that's completely unexpected and it, it's going to look different. And the, mm. the, you know, the next president is not going to look like JFK and She's not going to look like Barack Obama and, and mm. she may not look like uh, Oprah, but and the next Beatles is not going to be four guys from Liverpool. But something is happening and it's really exciting that we're, we're talking and that Helen being in New Orleans and we're in L.A. And this is this isn't an isolated conversation. This is happening every day all around this country. And I'm I'm grateful to be a part of the dialogue and um, so I appreciate Helen's question. What did you think, Helen, about mm-hmm. that as the answer to your question? I think that that hits the nail on the head in a lot of ways. Um, you know, can't cry hard enough, I think, was definitely a feeling that, that we all had, um, you know, the day after the last election and some of us were shocked, some of us weren't, and um, I feel like if we can understand, if we can understand the how how much anger and greed and all of the um, you know. Sub, subtext, all of the branches of those emotions and um, characteristics that are just completely stunting to humanity. Um, if we can understand where those come from, 
we might be able to get to the root of the problem. And I'm speaking very abstractly, um, kind of on purpose right now. Um, but I think that what Marvin said, you know, there, sometimes you got to crash and burn before, you know, you're really able to, to make the change that needs to happen. Well, can, um, I, can I just, ju- there's, there's an idea, mm-hmm. I, I totally agreed with, like, Marvin went right in the exact direction where I was going, and there's one thing mm-hmm. I wanted to add to that, um, I'm, uh, I do several uh, different practices, I actually, I wrote a book called Accidental Initiations, and one of the chapters in it is called A Balanced Diet of Cults, and so it's like taking a little bit from all of the different cults, whether it's the cult of yoga, or the cult of the Beatles, or the cult, of, like, I have a very very wide mm-hmm. definition of cults. Uh, basically, anything that has a slogan and a T-shirt could be a cult. Uh, mm. Family. Um, and uh, anyway, one of the many that I uh, that I've taken a little piece from is a practice called reevaluation counseling. And I won't go into all of it, but one of the principles in reevaluation counseling is that the places where we've been hurt that we haven't healed. Mm. And let, mm-hmm. until we really feel that and cry it out or feel that pain, like until we really address the wound, we, it will never heal. It keep, we keep just cap- mm-hmm. building calluses over it. And, we can, and in, in a way, it makes it so that we can't really think intelligently because every time something comes up that reminds us of that thing, like mm-hmm. the, Trump getting elected reminds us of 9-11 or of the election of George Bush or of the assassination of JFK or of, you know, we just keep going back. And until we actually face and really feel that wound, we're going to mm-hmm. keep just reacting to the things that remind us of it as if it's the thing before instead of addressing it as it is in the present. So like that idea mm-hmm. of you can't cry hard enough when I've been in one of these co-counseling sessions, when they're good, you are just like, you're like, first of all, you're wondering why the hell am I crying so hard? Cause someone's just saying one word that like clicks you like play button. <laughs> like, why am I, why am I crying over play mm. button? I'm just, I just saw a play button here. That's not my word. I'm not going to tell you what my word is. And then you could just mess me up anytime you saw me and I'm recording this. Mm. So anyone who here who's, I'm not thinking you would, but someone out there might be malicious. Anyway, mm-hmm. the point is <laughs> that that idea that I feel like we as America, there are these wounds in our past, whether it's the wound of racism and slavery or of genocide or like wherever you want to, however far back you want to connect the dots until we face these and really mourn and cry for the things that for these wounds, we're going to keep just sort of acting unintelligently and on top of them. And so I Mm, feel mm -hmm. like that uh, when I think of there's just all these different synchronicities that are there and that I could keep going. I mean, we started the show talking about Josh Claytonfeld, who was a friend of Marvin's, and a very close friend of mine who I went to high school with who was who was lost mm. and I was and I still mourn him and like mourning mm-hmm. is not a process that ends like that's the idea you can't cry it's not like you can have one co-counseling session where you cry and then you are perfectly intelligent like we have to daily mm. you know monthly yearly we have to constantly be putting our attention back on these wounds so that we can, so that we can address them intelligently and can heal from them you know, mm-hmm. there, there's this um, phrase that's been going around, around over the last year about 
you know, fake media versus real media. And I, I just want to say when I think of real media, I, I think of records and I, and I think of art and pictures and film. That's where the truth is. I don't really feel I'm going to get the truth. The kind of truth that I'm looking for, um, I'm not necessarily going to get that from any TV news channel. But the truth that I'm that I'm looking for is 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 trying to uncover and remind each other of of the, the of the morning of what we have gone through and to remind each other of 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 that. I remember after the election, I contacted a few people who literally had we had made plans to get together and people were just canceling right and left. They were they, they were so in shock and in tears, you know, uh, about what was going on and that feeling. And, and this is really it's it's really interesting, Helen, but that this song came up with you, because I think this is the first time probably since the election that I've really reconsidered what that emotion was like, that it was sorrowful, mm. you know, that mm-hmm. anger hadn't hit yet, that it was it was a great loss not a political loss but a personal loss that something about us had been taken away um and so i'm i'm grateful for trying to uncover that in this dialogue and in this in this room of synchronicity that seems to be mm. alive and well in <laughs> pretty amazing marv <laughs> so good to hear your voice you too, Miss Helen. Um, I actually, I, I got to run back to work. Okay, I'm any like, last comments? Yeah, or? you got to get, got to get back to work. That's, that's, that's a great one for all of us. We all got to get back to work. Yeah. So, uh, well, yeah. thanks for calling us from New. What you said you were walking around the statue. The statue is of Lafayette. Um, it's uh, Lafayette Park. Yeah, Lafayette Square. Cool. Um, well, yeah, now we know where. Now we know where we've all been. Yeah. We'll see. Well, I encourage everyone who's in L.A. to go out and check you out at the Mint on January 26th. And Yes, uh, baby. It's like lightning in a bottle. I can't wait. Yeah. Fr- Friday. So uh, it'll be a Friday night. Get there around 10 o'clock and uh, gu- guaranteed. 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 Thanks for listening to Radio 8 Ball on Feral Audio. If you'd like more information about the Pop Oracle, please check out our website at Radio8Ball.com, where you can find out about upcoming shows, about asking your own question on the podcast, and about our Radio 8 Ball app that allows you to engage the Pop Oracle directly in the form of every song ever performed on Radio 8 Ball. I hope today's musical divination brings and brought the sync to you wherever you are. Until next time... I'm your host, Andras Jones, wishing you lots of spine-tingling synchronicities, connections with the natural world, and all the inspiration you can handle. It's the Radio Wave Ball Show.